0: good to see all of you here this morning man I, I really kind of had a I try not to lower my expectations for any service anywhere or whatever but if there was ever a Sunday where I expected nobody to want to go outside and get in their car and leave and a heated room to get in a smaller heated room to, to, to even drive in this stuff it would be today and, and man look at you man you guys are here and I'm just, I'm so honored and, and, and privileged to be one of the pastors here, to, to serve at a family of faith that just loves being um, in church enough to, to get up, even on the, the days where the wind chills and the single digits and, and come to church. And so, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I'm excited to see you, excited for uh, this series that we're in. We're in week three of a, of a series called Friend Request. We kicked this off a few weeks ago. We've kind of had a, a running theme throughout the kind of the first half introduction portion of every message that that reveals this truth, that who we spend our time with matters, right? That, that who we spend a majority of our time interacting with, doing life with, spending time with, getting involved in stuff with, getting in trouble with, something like that. Whoever we spend our time with, it matters. It changes. It has an effect on us. As a matter of fact, we've um, been kind of going back to one main thought for the entire series. We'll, we'll write it down together again today if you're Taking notes, and it's this. That if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Because who you spend your time interacting with and doing life with, they have the ability to, to change or direct the pattern and the purpose for your life. So if you show me your friends, I can show you your future. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not smart enough to come up with that. Like I I wrote it like that, but there was there was actually the wisest man who ever lived on the face of the planet, other than Jesus himself, was a man named Solomon. And Solomon said this in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Solomon said it this way: He said, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. In other words, what Solomon is saying is, You show me your friends. And I'll show you your future. And so we started off the series in week one. We talked about the foundation of friendship, what it means for, for us to be good friends to other people, for, for the, the kind of people that we need to be in the lives of other people. And then last week we came in here and we, we learned that all of us that, that may be experiencing a deficiency in our lives at some point because there are three types of friends that all of us need in our life. And there's a, the potential exists that you and I stand from being one friend away From changing the course of our destiny. I was thinking about that this week. Um, Now, just a little bit about me. Um, When I was a kid, my parents made me, and I I emphasize made, um, they made me take piano lessons. All right, like, it just wasn't wasn't a thing I was feeling like. I just wanted to go play sports and, you know, get in trouble and get hurt and get dirty and that kind of stuff. And so, mom, um, Particularly, mom. Mom made my, my brother and I. We had to take piano lessons, and so I learned. I did. I learned to. I, I kinda learned. I don't, I don't want to. That's not. That's like. I don't want to get loose with the term learned. Um, I have a working knowledge of how a piano works. Um, I, I can make it make noise. Um, and so, so here I am. I have this 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 piano playing skill, and I, I got into high school, and um, I thought I was a rocker uh, for a week. Like I thought I was. I, I was thought I was a rock and roll guy, and. Um, so I started listening to some rock bands, and I found, I found this band. And they were, they were kind of on the, the tail end of the hair band era, like they were, and, but, but except for they were talented. Like I don't know if you all knew that. But like, they were a hair band, only they had talent. I don't know if you knew that most of the hair bands didn't, but they actually could play their instruments pretty well. And this particular band, um, they had a piano player. And all of a sudden, two worlds, my kind of general, like, yeah, I can kind of take or leave piano, and then, like, I want to be a rock star. Those two worlds kind of collided, and so I developed an affinity for a band named, named Sabotage. Now, if, if you know who the band Sabotage is, I would love to speak to you after the service, because I think I'm one of three people in Kannapolis who know who they are. Um, not Sabotage, and we're not, it's not a Beastie Boys movement, all right? I'm talking about Sabotage, completely different era, completely different thing. Um, I thought uh, finally I had a band that I could identify with like they're cool and they got a piano maybe I can be a cool piano player it, it didn't work out for me but it, I, you know I'm just not cool so it, um so anyway so I developed an affinity for this band and, and me and, and several of my friends who were in this little we had our own little rock band thing we put together for a while, even cut a cd that was fun um so we really kind of modeled ourselves after this this band that we all loved or whatever and so because I have an affinity for this band, even though it's now 2015 and not 1993, um, I still carry their songs on my iPod um, because I, I like to sometimes I like a little throwback, you know, I like a little relic and just kind of just, you know, hang out in the old days. And so I'm driving down uh, Lane Street this week and I have my iPod in my truck and it's on shuffle and a, a sabotage song comes on. And I sing every word at the absolute top of my lungs um, just because. That's what you do when, you, when your jam comes on, right? And so, but, in, but immediately in that moment, singing at the top of my lungs, listening to a band that's not going to get, a, they didn't get a minute of radio play when they were still making music. Like so you, That's why none of y'all ever heard of them. Um, like never going to get a, a minute of radio play, but here I am in my truck. I'm having a moment, right? And in that moment, I'm, I'm recollecting and reminiscing back to, my my rock band days with my buddies in a garage with a dude that had a tire for a symbol, like a you know a tire frame for a symbol. Like I'm thinking back and like everything about this song and this moment is taking me back to all the stuff that we did, all the trouble that we got into, all the little crappy bars that we tried to play in, and all the stuff that we did way back when I'm just thinking about all this just kind of just Flood of emotion. And, and for me, a lot of those experiences in my past, they, they were good. They were fun. We, we enjoyed playing the coffee shops and the little bar places and the little nightclub deals. And, and we had fun trying to make a CD and we sold about four of them. It was awesome. Like we, like, so we were, you know, so I'm going back to this, this moment of just kind of all this really cool stuff, all because, all because I heard a song. And it took me back to the relationships that I enjoyed in those days. Now, here's what it could have done. If the people that I hung out with when I became a fan of this song that took me back to a different day and time in my life were negative, if we'd have gotten in a lot of trouble and if we'd have ended up in addictions and all this other kind of, in, in that in the exact same way that I, that I got to go back and experience some kind of fun and cool times in my life, I could have just as easily gone back And re-experienced some very negative times in my life. And here's the thought that I had. It's amazing to me how much the impact of the people that we spend our time with has on our lives. I was having a really good week. I got to listen to an old school jam on the radio and had a better week. But it's just as possible for me to be having a good week. And to reminisce and and think back to all the stuff that I got into with a group of people that I ran with back then and ended up having a, a very negative and very down and very depressed week. Because the people that we spend our time with matter. Because they have the ability to direct and determine the purpose and the direction of our lives. That's why we've devoted an entire series to talking about Friendship, because who you spend your time with, it matters. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. And so we, we talked last week about how we not only need that those those three types of friends, that we, we may be one friend away. But today I want to look at this idea that we could very well be one community away from changing the course of our destiny. Because here's what I believe is true. I believe that God wants us to have a personal relationship with him. I believe God wants it to be personal. It's individual. It's it's he and I connecting together on a very personal level. But... God created us to be relational beings, not just so that we could connect with him, but so that we could connect with people around us. So I believe that God not only wants us to have a personal relationship with him, but I believe God wants us to have a shared relationship with him also, it's all throughout Scripture the, reason that, the reasons that God wants us to be in communities of people, surrounded by groups of other believers for our own benefit, so that we can not only connect with Him on a personal level, but that we can connect with Him on a level that is shared also. Let's talk about why. Here's why. Here's why it's vital for us to surround ourselves in communities of other believers. It's because we have an enemy, and our enemy wants nothing more than to destroy us, and he has no greater t- ability to destroy us than when we are vulnerable. Vulnerable to what? Maybe you'd ask. I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking. Let me show you in Scripture what it says. First Peter, See, I just assumed that you did. All right, so 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, speaking of our great enemy, says this. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I think there are two very, very clear things that need to be addressed in in this particular verse. Here's the first. It's important that we understand the direct correlation between Satan, our enemy, and the cat family. For all you cat lovers out there, nobody laughed. You're like, he's serious. No, I know. I I was just trying to pick on all the cat lovers. You guys know I don't have much love for cats. It's in the Bible that the, the devil gets associated with the cat feline family. All right, so for all them little boogers you got running around your house, all right, that's little, little Damien, little Belzebub, little Lucifer you got running around the house, climbing on my car and getting dirty and scratching, that kind of stuff. There it is in the Bible. Cats are the devil. All right, there it is. Proof positive. All right, all right. So no, 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 in all seriousness, he, he gives us this picture of, of how it is in the same way that a lion would devour something that it desires to eat. That that is the same mentality and way that your enemy will come after us. And instead of just telling you, I I don't know how much you know about how lions attack or when lions attack. I thought it would be better, instead of just telling you, to show you so I have a video. Let's watch this together. Now, this is, uh, you've probably seen this. This is at Kruger Park in South Africa. I've actually been to this park. But, um, so we've got like, you know, the scary lions. Forgive the quality. All right, it it was YouTube. Um, So, scary lions, water buffalo. It's about to go down. I mean, we, it's just pretty evident that um, things are not getting ready to end well. And, and here comes the old shoot moment on behalf of the water buffalo. Like I, I see the lion, and uh, I'm trying to narrate this, but it, it, they need to move faster. Um, so, I don't, oh, there Okay, now it's on. All right, so like the attack is on. All right, we got the big ones. Nope. Let's let's not mess with the big ones. Let's let's get the baby. All right, they just yeah, just single it out. Get it away from mom and dad and then they get to run on and now you got one cat devil and, and then all the little demon cats um, are going to join into the fight. Man, that's blurry. Um, I don't know if this is blurry for y'all. It is from here, but I, I'm, I don't know if you can tell what's going on there, but there's like a bunch of lions trying to eat a water buffalo, a little, little baby one, all right? And, and here's how it, You can cut the lights back on now. Um, here, here's how it did it, right? What did it do? Isolated, Right? A, a whole pride of lions they are running out. There's five, six buffalo they can choose from, but not a single one out, get it alone. And then they all come in to devour it. The most effective way that our enemy, who seeks to devour and destroy us in the same way that a lion would, one of the most effective ways he can do that is to isolate us, to drive us into... Loneliness. Now there's several scriptures in, in the Bible I, I thought about going into this, and then it was a rabbit trail. It was going to get really deep. But basically what these, these verses say, and they're in first, you know, first Corinthians 4 and chapter 3 and, second, and Ephesians chapter 2, these, it all talks about the control and influence that our enemy has on the world that we live in. That we live in a world that is influence by our enemy. And So, I've got, so if, if his desire is to isolate and separate everybody and to get us all in our own little worlds and away from one another so that he can devour us, how's he doing? And then I began to kind of look back over specifically American history and think about all of these, these ways that we are progressing as a nation and how these things are actually serving to isolate us. Think, think about it. Think with me. As, as our nation progresses, all right, what was... Um, you guys... I don't. I don't remember this. It's kind of always been around. So, but maybe some of you older, a little bit older than me, remember when there was no such thing as air conditioning, right? And so, in the evenings, uh, in the evenings, where would people hang out when when it got it was hot outside? Where would they hang out on the front porch, right? They'd go outside because it was cooler outside than inside. What happens when everybody is outside of their home? Community happens. Relationships happened. People got to know their neighbors and they could have conversations with their neighbors. And then we all got air conditioning, and everybody just now we can just stay inside. We can heat it when it's cold outside, we can make it cool when it's hot outside. No need to go outside. So everybody stayed indoors. And uh, another invention a few years later the garage, right? Now, and, and I can even, I even got a button. Right, so like I can I can push the button, open my garage, pull out, go to work, come back home, go into my garage, push the button, the door closes behind me. I don't have to wave at anybody. Right, but before garages, I mean, at least you had those few moments of pulling into the driveway and then that long methodical "hey neighbor" walk into the house. At least that there was still that. But but then no, um, now we can just we can just pull into our garage, close the door behind us, and. We don't have to see or talk to anybody. Live in our own little bubble in our own little world. And then, now young people, anybody under the age of 20, y'all don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Then there came the answering machine. Y'all remember the answering machine? Weren't those cool? This was, this was the very first form of caller ID, if for those of you who remember, right? The call would come in, and there were, we had a machine, like a physical machine with a little bit of tape in it. We put the tape in, and they'd play a message, and then they could record their message on the tape, and you would hear it. Out loud, You could hear them recording their message if you were in the house. And so this is how we used to use caller ID, young people. This is what we would do. We'd wait for somebody to call. The answer machine would get it. And then we would hear who was talking. And if we wanted to talk to them, we'd pick up the phone and talk to them. If not, we'd just let them finish their message and never call them back. That's how it worked. And then a couple years later, we got the formal caller ID. where Now we can just look at our phones and be like, no, and, and put it away. So like, and it's just pr- progressively getting more and more and more separated and isolated and distant from the people that God would have us to interact with. Now, teenagers and young people, I don't mean to pick on y'all, but if there is a predominant demographic that is video game driven, it's, it's the young. Now, I have, y'all heard me talk about my Christmas gift. I got an Xbox for Christmas. I'm doing a little bit of video game playing myself now. But back when, when my brother and I were kids, do you know where we played? outside. Y'all don't, I don't, young people, I don't know if you know that or not. You can go outside, and we had a basketball goal, and we had a soccer goal, and we, we made our own little golf course in the backyard. It was weird, but it was fun. Like we, we used to go outside and play. Now, in, entertainment has become personalized. You don't have to go anywhere. You can sit in your room and, and play on a video game, and if you want to connect with somebody else, you don't do it face-to-face. You do it via online presence, And much in the same way, we've already talked about this over the last couple of weeks, social media has driven us to being further, you would think that it's a social network that is bringing all of us together. No, it's not. Because I'm not looking at you eyeball to eyeball, nostril to nostril. No, I'm looking at you through a computer screen. And instead of telling you what I think about whatever's going on in your life, I'm just liking it. Uh. I read a quote this week that said that um, what social media is doing is it's giving... uh, I wrote it down. I'm putting my notes. I want to make sure I read this correctly so I don't get it wrong. Social media is creating an epidemic of deferred loneliness. It's not fixing loneliness. It's deferring loneliness. Here's how it works. I'm feeling kind of lonely. A little down this week. So what do I do? I selfie it up, right? take my selfie. I put it out there. I'm feeling lonely, but now I've got, I've got a post out there. I've never taken a selfie in my life, just FYI. All right, so, <laughs> so put it out there. Like now, now I'm waiting on the likes to come in because, I mean, it takes a lot of effort for somebody to like my photo. I mean, they've got to look at it, and they have to examine it. They have to think about me. They have to pray for me. They have to think good thoughts about my family, and then click like, right? And that, That's not how that works. No, okay, so, so, so all the, the likes are coming in, and, and I'm starting to feel kind of important. Look, I got 42 likes. I got seven retweets. You know, I got 15 people who are following this post or whatever it is. But I haven't interacted with anybody. And so for the moment, I get to feel okay about myself. But I haven't fixed anything. All I have is deferred the actual loneliness for a couple of hours until I, until I really begin to feel distant and, and lonely again? Everything that is around us. And I'm, listen, again, I've said this, but I'll, I'll say it for the purpose of those of you who haven't been with us yet. I'm all for technology. I don't have a garage, would like to have a garage, right? Uh, all, all for air conditioning. It's 16 degrees outside today. I'm really glad that I get to preach without wearing my winter coat this morning. Isn't, isn't I, I'm all for modern conveniences and technology, and I love social media. I love the pictures of you, your family, your babies, and your vacations. Keep the food off of your dang wall. I don't, care, I don't care what you ate, right? but that's another subject. So, like, I, I love being able to connect and, and, and know and see, and, and I'm, I get to, to, to watch your life through your, your, your Facebook, and that's great, but it's not enough. Because we're living in a world that's driving us into isolation and separation when it's very clear that we have an enemy who desires nothing more in our lives than to to devour us like a lion. And how do lions devour prey? They isolate, they separate, they single out. And they go in for the kill. It's important that we become conscious and aware of the environment that's around us. And we take intentional steps into making sure that we are not alone. You see, if there's, ever, if there's ever a time where people are more vulnerable than ever, it's not only when they're isolated, but, but at their inception, right? There's no more fragile life form than, than the infant, than the baby. The same is true for an organization, or for a group of people. So take the church, for instance. There was, there was never a more vulnerable time for the church as we know it than when it first begun. If there was ever a time to snuff out the Jesus movement, if there was ever a time to do away with Christianity, if there was ever a time to stop the spread of the gospel to nations upon nations upon nations, it was at the very beginning So what happens? What do they do? How do do they protect themselves against the the enemy that had this very opportune moment to snuff out what the church would become? Well, let's look at what they did. Let's talk about it for just a minute. In in Acts chapter 2, we see that the the believers that had followed Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes down, fills their lives with, with God's presence. Peter preaches an incredible sermon, three Thousand people say, I'm in on that. I need Jesus, want Jesus, want to follow Jesus. So now we got 3,000 people in a group. This is the first church. This is the beginning of the church. Happened after the, the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit comes down. Peter preaches. Peter preaches. Peter <laughs> preaches. Sometimes when you get moving quick, it happens. Peter preaches. 3,000 people give their lives to Christ. Now what? Let's, let's, what do they do? Look what they did. Acts chapter 2 beginning in verse 41. It says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. And all the believers, how many of them? All? All right, you you guys have caught on to this by now. Um, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals and to prayer. I love verse 43. We're going to come back to this. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, look what they did. They met together in one place. And they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. The immediate response to the gospel, the the immediate thing that happens after 3,000 people commit to Christ is to link arms together, not just one or two, but all and to do so in ways that would blow our minds today. To see uh, these, these were not just uh, some average, ordinary, typical friends kind of hanging out together. And it was deeper than that. It was bigger than that. They're selling their stuff so that nobody has to go. Like I'll sell my stuff so that you don't have to go without. That's not your average friend. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna come over to your house. We're gonna, we're gonna eat together. Like, we're not gonna do a meal apart from each other. you got total refrigerator rights. Just come on in and make a sandwich. You don't even got to ask. These extraordinary relationships where it says that, that nobody went without. Now, if we tried to recreate that today, they'd call us a cult. Like, all oh, y'all come in, sell all your stuff, and then we'll make sure everybody has enough. Right? Like, I thought about trying to get it started, but then I decided... I. Don't think I'd like prison. So, like, but, but this was it. Let's, let's just, let's meet together. Let's just spend time together. Let's worship together. Let's pray together. Let's partake of the Lord's supper together. Let's just do everything together because we don't, we don't want to do this alone. We don't think we can do it alone. So let's not do it alone. Let's do all of us. Let's get together. Let's, let's do something significant. And then verse 43, I love this. This this great, a deep sense of awe came over them because of the relationships they were experiencing. Let me ask you a question, church. When was the last time that you were overwhelmed? just by the people you were spending your time with. Not overwhelmed by anything that happens, no miracle from heaven, no no significant life event. When was the last time that you were overwhelmed just because you were in the presence of a group of people that you're with? I have the great privilege and honor of having a really tight close group of friends and to them i 'm not pastor brian i 'm just Brian and when I hang out with them sometimes it's it just feels so fluid and free and and helpful and encouraging and and, and sometimes I kind of take a a moment outside of myself in the midst of hanging out with these people. and just kind of sit back and look. I kind of withdraw from the conversation for just a moment. I sit back and look. And man, what a blessing it is. Just be able to, to hang out with people that love me as much as I know these people do. They care for me as much as these people. And we're just, I mean, we're just playing cards. Like I'm not talking, like we're not, we're not in, a, in a worship service together. Like we're just, hanging out playing cards, and I just get, I just get a glimpse, a moment kind of my, outside of my life looking in and say, man, how awesome is this? And I just, I, I try to be conscious in those moments to just offer up a prayer. Hey, God, thank you for this. And it, it doesn't look like much if somebody to walk in like, oh, hey, they're playing cards. I mean, Brian's having a moment up in here. Because it's, it's overwhelming to just experience the, the presence of true friendship. When was the last time that you were overwhelmed just by the people that you get to hang out with? Because th- that's what happened to the believers in Acts, right? They just decided to let's get some food together. Let's pray together. Let's worship together. Let's just do everything together. And a great sense of awe came over them. When's the last time that happened for you? Because if it hasn't been recent or ever, you may be one community away from changing the course of your destiny. If you want to write that down, that's our our main thought today, that you may very well be one community away from changing the course of your destiny. See, our enemy, Satan, wants nothing more than for us to be isolated so that he and his little army of demon cats or whatever they are, let's say he and whoever... He's got help in him can come in and destroy us. Man, there's some good news. There's good news. The good news is that it doesn't matter how ferociously he attacks or how hard he hits or where he hits or what he gets at when we have enough people around us to help us fight him off. I think that's my favorite shot. Like, get out. There's nothing I like more than watching cats run for their lives. It's part. of a hobby of mine. <laughs> but this, to me, is is the epitome of, honestly, what the church should look like. Shouldn't it? One gets isolated, one gets picked out of the crowd. Our enemy begins to have a field day in the life of somebody. And And the whole church, as many people as we can gather together to come around to support, to help, to give life to, to encourage, to lift up, to pray with, to pray for, to get involved in the life of. Shouldn't that be the picture of the church? Now, I believe that God reveals a lot to us and about his nature and his character through his creation. As I watch an army of water buffalo pick off a pride of lions, I get pretty jacked up about how I think that relates to me and my family, to me and my church. Because that's what I want around me. Because I've got times where I get down. And I've got times where I get depressed and where I get discouraged and where horrible things happen in my life or around my life or in my circumstances or situations. And what I want What I want for me and what I want for you is for you to belong to a community of like-minded believers that'll stand in the gap and say, you'll never go down alone on my watch. That is my vision for the church. I got it all from watching a bunch of water buffalo and lions. But I see a picture of what life inside of a family of believers is supposed to look like. I'd invite you to just just dream with me for a minute. Close your eyes if you have to, but just dream with me for a minute about what it looks like to run into horrible situations in your life and then have an army of friends, a whole herd of friends, if you will, Come alongside to stand with you, to pray with you, to encourage you, to sell their stuff so that you don't go without. Can you see it? Because that's the church. That's who we are. And there's a really good chance that there's a lot of us in the room right now who are one community away from absolutely changing the course of our destiny. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus and the letter we call Ephesians in the, book, in the book of the Bible we call Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 through 21 Paul says this, he says "If you are citizens along with all of God's holy people you are members of God's family. We are his house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We who believe are carefully joined together. Becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Carefully joined together. Did you catch that? Picked out selected, carefully put together. There's a lot of stories in the room right now. We all have a story. We've all got a part to play and a purpose to fulfill. But the reason that you are under the sound of my voice right now is because you have been carefully joined together with this family, if, if no longer or no more than for today. Carefully joined together for this purpose so that you could hear that God doesn't want you to be alone. Alone, you're vulnerable. Alone, our enemy has the upper hand. All of us were created, designed, and intended to be part of a community of believers so that we don't have to fight alone. I don't know if you know this or not, Satan's been around a while. He's a whole lot better at fighting and tearing away stuff than you are at defending. But I believe there's nothing that we cannot do. Through God is our strength and with a group of people around us reminding us constantly where our strength and help comes from. It's necessary, it's needed, it's important. You're not here by accident. You're here for a reason. God wants to see you fulfill the greatest potential and purpose of your life, but that's not possible when we don't surround ourselves with people that can protect, help, encourage, and strengthen us. So let's make this practical. Practical. Let's put some handles on it. I mean, Pastor Brian, is it even? I mean, do, do things like what happened in the early church? Do, do those things—is it even possible to experience life in the same way that they had it? Three thousand people getting together and hanging out. Well, maybe not in three thousand, but I mean, is it, is it even possible? Uh, do, do groups even? Do, do things like this even exist where people would would get together and? and worship, and pray, and eat together, and share stories together, and do life together? I mean, did something like that even exist? And I mean, if it, if it exists, even if it exists, I mean, does it happen f- frequently? I mean, does it happen maybe like, I don't know, like once a week or something? I mean, do, do people actually like open their home and let other people come in and eat their food, and they'll pray with them and help them? And I mean, and, and if these groups exist, even if, if it even does exist, right, where, where people open their homes and people get together and eat and pray and worship and take the Lord's Supper and do stuff together. I mean, how do we even find out where they are? Like, how do we even know? I mean, there, I mean, is there, I mean, is there like a website or something maybe we could go to and find out like a list of groups with where they meet and what time and whose house and who's bringing, I mean, d- does something like that even exist? I don't know. But if it does, you, you could probably find it at www.fusioncitychurch.com under the Connect heading. Now, you, you've heard us say it over the last couple of weeks. We, we're not—we're not a numbers-driven organization. There are a lot of churches in the in, in the past and other pastors, maybe past and present, that. Uh, we love that, that I, and I've sat across the table from some of them in meetings in different various places where, oh, well, we got, you know, this many people in our church, and we got this much money, and we got this many people in our small group. Kudos. I mean, I, um, congratulations, I guess. I don't know. Listen, we want everybody to be in a connect group for Fusion City Church. I have zero desire in my, in my heart for that to be so that I can go sit across the table from a pastor friend of mine and be like, hey, I got 85% of my people in the connect groups. How are you doing? I want it because I don't want to see you get picked off by the enemy. I want all of you, this week, today, on your phone, on the way out the door, once you get home, fusioncitychurch.com, connect, find a group, email the leader. If you don't have a computer, or you don't have the internet, or you don't have a way, then on your connect card, on your connection card, Pastor Quentin mentioned at the beginning of the service, there's a blank at the bottom that says, I'd like to speak to a pastor about, I know, okay, pastor, yeah, it'll probably be one of the pastors that call you, okay? But we're just dudes, like we're just average guys, and we'll call you this week and tell you, hey, we think this group would be really great for you. That's the, like, don't be scared of the, somebody told me, um, it's been a, a couple years ago now, they told me I was intimidating Um, (laughs) my wife laughs every time I say that but um, I I, I thought I was intimidating and so they were kind of scared for me to call them or for them to call me I will try not to scare you when I call to tell you what connect group you should be in okay I promise I'll be gentle and so will Pastor Quentin or Pastor Jonah if it's one of them that makes the phone call so don't let I I, want to be in a connect group I just don't want to talk to the scary pastor please don't let that be a deterrent All right. Like just just put it on there. I want to speak to a pastor and then there's a little blank. Connect groups, and we'll get into contact with you this week. We'll speak softly and quietly and gently to you so that you can find the group that's best for you because we want everybody in a connect group because we were designed to exist in community. There is benefit and power in surrounding ourselves with people that will lift us up, pray for us, support us, and encourage us as we do life, fighting off the very real enemy that wants nothing more than to crawl into our life and devour us. It's real. And your best defense against it is by putting yourself in in a situation where you can connect with other people and begin to do life with them. Let me pray for you. Father, this morning as we hear from you, as we open your word, as we learn together, God, it is my hope and prayer that every one of us understand the value and vitality of what it means to exist in community with other believers. So God, would you give us the the courage where there's fear, the the freedom where there is strained or, or tense schedules. God, would you do in our lives whatever you have to do, God, to give us the freedom and the opportunity to begin to do life passionately with other people. Because God, we believe. We believe that you are our strength. We believe that you are our hope. We believe that you are our provision, our support, our peace, our joy. God, you are all of those things, but we live in a world that's full of distractions, full of things that would take our attention off of you and put it on something else. And God, there is no better benefit to the life of the believer than that friend or group of friends that'll come alongside and remind us of your faithfulness, of your love, of your mercy, of grace, of your sovereignty and your provision in our lives. God, we need it. Without it, we're vulnerable. Without it, we're a target. Say, God, would you do whatever you gotta do to help us in this moment to commit? I'm gonna be part of a group. I'm gonna surround myself with those that I know can help me keep my eyes on you. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity that we've had to be here. Lord, now as we commit together, as we sing together, as we pray together, God, we we just want you to be honored by everything that takes place. God, we love you. We love you. We thank you for your son in whom we find our hope. His name I pray. Amen and amen.